right, well, welcome to the house of the Lord today. It's good to have all of you with us also, those of you joining us online. Everybody should have an outline, uh, looks like this. Does anybody not have one? If you don't, raise your hand. We have one down here, and we also have one in the back that needs one, uh, Lauren and uh, Pam. Okay, the first scripture that I want to take you to here in just a minute is going to be First Peter. We're not quite ready for it, but First Peter 5, 8, and 9. And uh, as, we, as we continue on, I want you to know this is our final uh, message on the Angel Series, and we've been talking for the past two Sundays about the devil or Lucifer as an angel, because he is an angel that was fallen. He was created by God to do a certain task until pride was found in his heart. He wanted to be like God to the point that he wanted to be above God. And today I want to finish out on this subject of the devil because I want you to understand that every evil thing comes from him. Every good thing comes from God. We say it all the time that God is good and that he is good all the time. But the devil is bad. The devil is evil, and he's evil all the time. There is nothing that he has for you that is good, ever. If the devil is in the mix, there is evil in the mix. Um, in fact, the Bible calls, says this. We're not going to stay here long, but I just want to say this, that one of the characteristics of the devil, because pride was in his heart, was rebellion. And the Bible is very specific that rebellion, the very act of rebellion, is like the sin of witchcraft. That is what it likens rebellion to. Now, if you think of witchcraft as something very wicked and evil, that's good. That's, that, that's what you need to do. But in the same token, that's what you need to feel and think about rebellion. That's how we should treat rebellion. And God did that when he kicked Satan out because Satan would not submit. And he took one-third of the angels with him. And so today what I want to do is I want to open up with some of the ways that Satan uses to attack you. Now, these are not all of the ways uh, we'd be here all day if I, we tried to get through all the ways. But I, I, uh, I actually tried to make this a little bit easier for you not to have to fill in the blank. So I fill in the blank for you with bold, uh, bold answers there. But I want you to know that our enemy, again, is very ancient. He's very, very, very well-versed on what he does. He is a master at deception. In fact, you can be deceived and not know you're deceived, and that's the worst kind of deception there is. Self-deception is the worst kind of deception. But he uses every conceivable means to hold people in subjection to himself and to keep them from turning to God. And if he falls in this, if he fails in this, he will try to kill your testimony as a believer in Jesus and your influence for God. So what he will do at times, he will, bring, he will literally try to bring in... Uh, lies against godly people 
to try to ruin their testimony. He did it to Jesus. He did it to Peter. He did it to all the majors in the Scripture. But one of the very first things that he tries to do is if, if he can get you a little cold in your faith, man, he has accomplished a great thing. If he can cause the fire of God to go out in you, he will cause you to become lukewarm. And the Bible is very specific in the book of Revelation of a church that was lukewarm. What God did to it, he spewed it out of his mouth. In other words, it's just a kind way of saying he vomited to that church up. It made him sick to his stomach to such a point that because they were neither hot or because they were neither cold, he said, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And that is some very, very, very strong language. But that is the work of the enemy. So one of the methods is, is he wants you to be lukewarm. He tries to get all others lukewarm in their condition, and if he succeeds, he will urge them to stay in that condition so God will cut them off in the end. The next thing he tries to do is he will stir up unholy passions. He stirs up unholy passions, causing people to throw away all restraint and live a life of, of rebellion against God. You know, you can just be, have just been minding your business, going through the grocery store, picking up your food, putting them in your cart, and then you go to the counter and you want to check out, and all of a sudden there's a cosmopolitan magazine with a half scantily clad woman. Guys, to try to get your eyes on soft porn. You could have been singing the praises of God while picking up your cool whip and your Coca Cola. And that's the way the devil works. And he comes out of the blue. He comes out of the, when, when you're not at least expecting it, and he wants to bring up those unholy passions. The, now, it's not a temptation to be tempted, or it's not a sin to be tempted, but it's what you do with that temptation that determines what your next step is going to be, whether or not you allow that unholy passion to come inside your life or not. And if you'll rebuke that in the name of Jesus, he will flee from you as long as you're stayed submitted to God. Can you say amen? Some of the greats in Scripture were tempted with the third thing, and that is suicide. You do not have to be an unbeliever to, to, to want to commit suicide or try to commit suicide or think about suicide. The devil is there to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Elijah wanted to die right after he defeated 850 prophets on the Mount of Carmel. Moses wanted to die. He said, God, just take my life. Now, these are mighty men of God. This is, these are men that God used. These were prophets of God. And, and the devil will, I want you to understand something. If you ever, ever, ever have the thought to commit suicide, know that that is not of God. That is not of God. Judas did not make heaven because he died in his sin. It is literally self-murder. There's no way out of that. You say, well, if a person commits suicide, can they be forgiven? I'm going to leave that between God and them, but I'm going to find it very difficult, especially if it's immediate, because that's self-murder. How do they ask for forgiveness of that? And you see, the devil wants to, to, to make you think, oh, man, that's just going to be beauty. That's going to be, I'm going to just get myself to heaven earlier. No. That's a lie of the enemy, church. Listen, God has our days numbered. That is not in our hands. That is in God's hands. That's not in a doctor's hands. That is in God's hands. And I just want to say to you today that the enemy, if he can come in in that way, he will try, even with a believer, to keep you down. And usually there's, there's several other D's that happen before death. A lot of times it's just disappointment. 
Watch disappointment because when you get disappointed, the next thing that usually comes is discouragement. And if you stay in discouragement for very long, you're going to enter into what's known as depression. And church, let me tell you something. Depression is a brokenness of spirit. A broken spirit dries up the bones. And a person that is continuously depressed and there's no seemingly way out of it, the next D is death. Because the enemy will ultimately try to cause that person to commit suicide. Are you walking with me today? And you see, the devil tries to do these types of things. And a lot of times, it's if, if a person's lukewarm, if there's unholy passions there, suicide can come on. So guard against that. Because if, if, if the devil can cause you to uh, fall like Judas fell, you think there's no way out but to kill yourself? Man, listen to me. Jesus is the way. Jesus would have forgiven Judas. He forgave Peter, and he put him back into ministry. Can you say amen? Next thing is there, he will give a a deception about sin. He will try to make people think that they're missing everything in life if they don't engage in all kinds of sin, which in the end will damn their soul. Also, deception about serving God. He will try to make people think there's no joy in serving God, that this is boring, that, that, that this is one of, the, this is one of the, the worst things that a person could ever do. And this is one of his, one of his major tactics, serving Christ and winning souls. Uh, that, that's one of the greatest things we could ever do because that's the only thing we can take to heaven with us is more souls. Amen? Also, deception about wealth. The devil will preach to be diligent, you know, into diligent businessmen that they just need to spend all their time uh, continuing to build their business and getting rich uh, before they serve the Lord. And the truth is, if you will truly serve the Lord, you will find yourself abundantly prosperous with God's blessings. Amen? Do you know that craft uh, foods, the inventor of all those, tithed? Did you know that Heinz 57 varieties tithed? Did you know that uh, so many men of, uh, that were inventors in the past of the things that we enjoy today tithed? John D. Rockefeller said, I'd have never tithed on my first million if I'd never been taught how to, die, to tithe on my first dollar. Or actually, I think he said Dime. And the next thing is compromise in church leadership. And I mean this all the way down from from the pastor all the way down to a Sunday school teacher. If the enemy can cause church leadership to compromise, he will urge churches and their leaders to make Christianity a, a paying proposition by appealing to the rich through lowering the standards of what God says is sin in order to make them comfortable. Are you with me? And that's happening all over the place, making salvation easy for everybody to enter and by feeding sheep messages on current events or book reviews or something to just, that just creates a little bit of fuzzy feelings instead of what really, really, really will make a difference in their life. And so the enemy tries to do that because he wants the church powerless so he can have rule even within the church. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying today? So these are just a few of the methods of Satan. So it also brings up a question, well, why would even God allow him to carry on? 
Why does God allow Satan to continue? Well, ultimately, by the time it's all said and done, is it literally develops faith and character in the life of the believer. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, that we are to be of sober spirit, to be on the alert. Our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I've shared that with you. And it, but this is what it says, but resist him. Look at your neighbor and say, resist him. Now watch this, firm in your faith, not your mama's faith, not your dad's faith, not your grandmother's faith, in your faith. Your faith has to grow, and the only way faith grows is just like a muscle grows, you've got to exercise it. And if you never have something come into your life where you have to use faith, it will never grow. So a lot of times we wonder, well, Lord, why am I going through this trial? Why am I going through this situation? So your faith can be built up. And when your faith is built up, you will stand against the devil. And know know this, knowing that the experiences of suffering that you're experiencing are also being accomplished by your brethren who are all over in the world. So what I'm saying to you today is it's not just you, it's other believers in Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, stay strong in faith. The next thing is to keep believers from exalting themselves. Paul himself dealt with this. Look in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. It says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that God gave to Paul, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. In other words, the enemy was allowed access, just like in Job's life, he was allowed access in Paul's life in order to keep him from exalting himself, knowing that this is not from you, this is from God and God alone. Everything that we have, any gift that we have, any blessing that we have, if there's a talent that we have, if there's an ability to sing that you have, if there is an ability to teach that you have, it is not because of you, it is because of him. And so many people in the world today, if they would just understand and realize, just like many of these other men, like John D. Rockefeller, he knew it was God that gave him what he had in order for him to have what he had to be able to do what he did. And once we begin to give God the glory and we begin to give him the, the uh, just due that is his, just like Abraham did and Moses did and all the men of God that did, as we begin to do that, I want to tell you this, God will begin to even move more because he knows you're faithful. You, you can be trusted. The next thing is to demonstrate the power of God over the power of Satan. Now, I've got Mark 16, 17 through 20, but we're going to look at 17 and 18. Now, watch this. These are the words of Jesus, and he says, These signs will accompany those who have believed. How many of you who in here today, you have believed in the name of Jesus for your, as your Lord and Savior? This is speaking to you. Watch this. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, Jesus' name, They will cast out demons. Look at your neighbor and say, you will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Paul, as they were taking him to Rome, as he's starting a fire, and he picks up wood to throw it into the fire, 
a snake bites him, the type that should kill him immediately. And the natives thought, because this guy has been bitten, he must be sinful. And they kept watching him, knowing he should be dead here pretty quick. And when Paul didn't die, all of a sudden they're like, oh, this must be a god. And listen to me, how many of you believe that the enemy is very possibly the one who was involved in trying to kill Paul, yet God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, used the very thing the devil used to try to kill Paul to further the gospel and save the natives that were in that land. You see, so that's what he's talking about, picking up serpents, and don't go out looking for rattlesnakes. That's not what that's talking about. But if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, this is good stuff. You see, he wants to demonstrate the power of God over the power of the devil. Go further in, its, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5. It is to allow the enemy to afflict people to bring them to repentance. Now, this is what Paul says to the Corinthian believers. He said, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan... Well, why would you do that, Paul? For the destruction of the flesh. Why? So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. If someone is bound and determined not to live for God, what they do is they take the umbrella of God and they throw it away, and God will not then control over their life And the enemy will have access, just like the prodigal son. And ultimately, the prodigal son found out it's better being back home with dad than it was being out here in sin. And he ultimately comes to his dad and says, Dad, just make me a servant because I'm not even worthy to be a son. But what does the dad do? He says, no, kill the fatty calf, give him a robe, clean him up. We're going to have a party because my son who was lost is now found. And that's how God treats us. And so what happens is, is when somebody says, I'm not going to follow God, just say, God, send the hound of heaven to him. That's the Holy Spirit. The hound of heaven. And can I tell you this about the hound of heaven? When he has someone in his scent, you can't run from him. He's going to find you. Bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? What you going to do when he comes for you? There's not going to be any, way, any place to hide. Amen. The Holy Spirit will find you. So we found the methods of Satan. We found the purpose of God allowing Satan to continue. Actually, he's helping God unbeknownst. Just like I brought that up about Paul. People are getting saved through even the things that he is trying to do. How many of you know that even Jesus dealt with this when people were healed, and he was like, well, is it because this man sinned? Is it because his parents sinned? And he's like, no, it's so the glory of God could be seen. God didn't send it to him. The devil did. But God uses what the devil does in order to glorify himself. Think about this. The devil thought he won when they crucified Jesus on the cross. What did that accomplish? By crucifying Jesus on the cross, it accomplished our salvation. So there's no way the devil can win. Look at your neighbor and say, no way. The third thing that I want you to see is the believer's responsibility 
in regard to Satan. I'm talking to every one of you in this room, every one of you listening that is a believer in Jesus Christ. This is your responsibility. Say, this belongs to me. This is what I need to do. You need to put on, number one, the whole armor of God because you cannot beat the devil on your own. Now, I'm not going to take you through all of that, but we're talking about the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, all of those gifts, all of those, rather, weapons of our warfare found in Ephesians chapter 6. I've got that scripture there for you, verses 11 through 18. Go over it and put that on every day. Because if you don't put that on every day, I want to tell you something. If you don't put on the helmet of salvation, you're going to start thinking like the world thinks. Because you've got to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ, and it happens right up here. It is the battlefield of the mind. Okay? We've got to keep that on. We've got to put our belt of truth on. We need truth today. Well, I could do a whole message again on the, just the, the, the gifts or the armor of God, but that's not what I'm, I'm here to do today. So you've got to put on that whole armor of God. Look at your neighbor and say, keep your armor on. The next thing is we've got to know Satan's devices. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Okay, so your responsibility after putting on the whole armor of God is to understand, don't be ignorant of his schemes. Don't let an advantage be taken of you by the devil. Thirdly, give him no place. Give him no place in your life. Ephesians 4.27 says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Because church, listen to me, that old adage, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. If you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, resist him. It says, submit therefore to God. I talked about this last week. First, you've got to submit to God. But then, after you've submitted to God, you resist the devil, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to flee from you. And this is what I said last week. He's going to run from you as in terror. He's going to be afraid. Because you're submitted to God, and he sees the faith there. He sees that you're a person uh, that knows what you're doing in the kingdom of God. So you resist him. Then overcome him by the word. Now, I haven't taken you through this scripture here, but in Matthew chapter 4, if you'll read chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, you will come across when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted by the devil at the end. After 40 days and 40 nights, the devil came in and tried to tempt Jesus, make these stones bread because he knew he was hungry. And Jesus has said every time, it is written. He overcame him by the word. It is written. He tempted him again. It is written. He tempted him again, even using the Scripture. Satan knows the Scripture. He twisted it. But Jesus said, it is also written. And he used the Word of God. And finally, the devil left him. So, overcoming by the Word. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. I am going to read this one. We're to overcome him by the blood of Christ by the word of their testimony, and by not living their life even to death. Watch this. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. It covers you. Because of the word of their testimony, by what you say. You've got to make sure your words line up with the word of God. When you begin to line up with the devil, if he says, you're not worth anything, and you go, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not. You just agreed with the devil. 
No, your testimony is, Satan, you're a liar, and that's not what God says about me. God says I'm special. If I'd have been the only person in the world, he would have still died on the cross for me. They overcame him because of the blood. They overcame him because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. In other words, they were saying, you can kill me, but I'm still not going to change what I believe. I'm still not going to change what I say. I'm still not going to change what I think. And you got to overcome him in that way. And the last thing is, is to, and these are just a few samples, church. Listen to me. This is not a full exegesis of this. But you overcome him by the name of Jesus. Now watch this in Ephesians 1. And what, Paul's asking a question to the Ephesians. He says, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, that's the devil, that's his angels, that's the demons, that's every principality, power, darkness, force, rulers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. And every name that is named. And only in, not only in this age, but in the one to come, and here it is, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all the things to the church. And he has given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, everyone in heaven, everyone on the earth, and everyone under the earth. That's heaven, that's earth, that's hell. That means devil and all the demons one day will bow. And they know they will. So those are your responsibilities. Seven responsibilities. Now I want to kind of finish out the bulk in letter D of what I want to say today. And that, are, that is evidences of being influenced by Satan. How do you, as a believer, know if someone's being influenced by the devil? How do I know if this person is of God and that person is not? Now, see, way here today, so many things, well, don't judge me. Judge not lest you be judged. That's what the Bible says. Well, Paul also said, I've already judged this man from what he's done. John said, you will have fruit in keeping with repentance. So if you have repented and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you will have a life that has fruit of Christ. And if you're on the tree of life, your fruit is going to be life. So those who say, I'm a Christian, and do the things Jesus said you should never do, need to change their name, or they need to change the way. And that's not being mean. That's not being unloving. That's being truthful. Now I want to ask a solemn question today. How many of you would rather somebody tell you the truth and hurt your feelings than to lie through their teeth at you and make you feel great? Can I just say today, if they lie to you and make you feel great, that feeling's not going to last very long until you're going to need another feeling. 
But the truth, Jesus said, it'll set you free. Oh, yeah, it might make you mad. How many of your parents ever tell you something and they were right and you were wrong, but you hated that they were right and it made you mad? But it was truth. Can I just announce to you today? God has called our heavenly Father. He's our Father. He's going to treat us like a dad, which means I'm going to love you, and sometimes I'm going to discipline you, and you're not going to like it, but it's going to be for your good. How many of you know the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered? Even Jesus did. So, evidences of being influenced by the devil... I want you to know, if I could give you an assignment this week, I would assign for you to read all of 1 John. Take your Bibles, go to the book of 1 John, and read it like your life depended on it. Because 1 John is awesome for the life of a believer in overcoming overcoming as a servant of Jesus Christ in this world. And we're going to go in several of those scriptures today. Evidences of being influenced by Satan is walking in darkness. First John one verse fifteen, or First John one verse five said, "This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all." Chapter two verse eleven continues, and it says that, or uh, yeah, chapter two verse eleven, we have that. It says, "But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness." And walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So anyone walking and operating in hate, they're not walking in the light. They're walking in the dark. I mean, how can we love God whom we've not seen while we hate the person we do see? In fact, he asked that later on. So walking in the darkness is an evidence of being influenced by the devil. Number two, saying that you have no sin. Look at John 1, verse 8. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And I've told you before, self-deception is the worst kind of deception there is. I don't have any sin. Look at verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, what we've actually done is we've made him a liar and his word's not in us. Because he said... There is none righteous, no, not one. Not one of us in this room have not sinned. Everybody here today, you have this in common, you've sinned. But it's what we do with it that matters. Okay, so walking in darkness, saying that we have no sin, failing to please God and to keep His commandments. Look at 1 John 2, verses 3 through 4. It says, by this we know that we have come to know Him. How do I know that you know Jesus? Because you keep his commandments. And then the one who says, well, I've come to know him, now watch this, and does not keep his commandments. Now, I'm not writing this. This is what God says. What does God call that person? If you say that you know him and you don't do what he says, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Now, that's strong as horseradish, but church, listen, It's what God said. See, I can't change that and make it more palatable for you. So if we say that we love God, yet we are doing things He has 
commanded us not to do, walk in rebellion, commit adultery, lie, cheat, steal, on and on. The truth's not in us. In John chapter, in 1 John 3, it says this, verses 22 through 24, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Why? Because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. This is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. And the one who keeps His commandments, what does He do? That person abides in God, and God abides in Him, and we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. The Holy Spirit confirms it to our heart that we're walking with God because we're following after Him, and we're doing what He's asked us to do. Fourthly, failing to walk like Jesus walked. Say, well, Pastor, I can't do that. You can when the Holy Spirit's in you because you'll want the things God wants. Look, this is what he says in 1 John 2, 6. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Why were they called Christians in Antioch? They were called Christians in Antioch, and literally, it literally, it literally meant these, guys, these guys are acting just like Christ. These are little Christs. In other words, you're acting just like Jesus. Man, what greater thing to be than to act like Jesus? Jesus just went around and do, did good everywhere he did, everywhere he went. Healed the sick, amen, did all of those things. Blessed everywhere he went. Number five, hating anyone. 1 John 2, 9, the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, he's still in the darkness until now. Chapter 4 and verse 20 says, if someone says, I love God, but he hates his brother, he's, he's a liar. Because the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, as I quoted prior, cannot love God whom he has not seen. How can you love God whom you've not seen if you can't even love the person that is beside you? Man, I'm telling you, listen, church, this whole race issue can be summed up, and you just need to love. Do you know what race is the greatest race? The human race. We're all human. We're all human. Are we different? Yes, we're different, but God died for all of us. All of us. I I love I love different different I mean going to going to different places and eating uh, we don't make food the way another country makes food I like how many like Chinese food Japanese food you like different kinds of food what you know I get tired of American food ever so often I'm glad that Chinese food is 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 a, is a thing <laughs> but where would we be if there were no Chinese for that now does that mean everything in China is great. No, there's great things we need to be praying for in China, but they got good food. Amen. They got good people. They got people who love God. They got people that are getting saved every day in communist China. Amen. Loving the world and the things in it, number six. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world, because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, it's from the world. And then he sums it up and he says, This world is passing away and also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God, guess what happens to you? 
You live forever. This world's going to die one day. This world's going to be gone one day. All the stuff in it, all the things people are going after, all the, the, the sexual encounters, all of the, the gold and the silver and all of the, 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 the money and all the drugs and all the stuff that people are going after for just a little bit of entertainment now, it's going to go, it's going to be gone, and all of a sudden they're going to find out all they have is, what have I done with God? But the one who will do the will of God, they'll live forever. Jesus said, you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Number seven, leaving Christian fellowship. 1 John 2.19 says they went out from us, but they were really not of us. Because if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. Not everybody who says, I am a Christian, is a Christian. Number eight, and this is huge in 2023. I'm going to say it again. It's huge in 2023, and that is ignoring truth. Church, how many of you know, even if you ignore truth, it doesn't change that the truth is the truth. Watch this, and we're going to read all of these verses, and I'm going to go back and give you some other things that are contained in these verses before we close. 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 through 27. This is some powerful, powerful word. And everyone in this room, listen to this. You have an anointing from God. Everyone in this room, look at your neighbor and say, you are anointed. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? Satan. And the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. And church, if you could just get into our society and you get into what people are calling truth and what people are saying it's okay to do, it's ultimately that they've said there is no God, there is no Lord, I can do what I want to do, and I can make my truth my own. But I want you to know something. You can even think you've made your own truth, and it's still not the truth. It's still a lie from the devil, because whoever denies the Son, you don't have the Father, and the one who confesses the Spirit has the Father also. And he goes on, and he says this, verse 24, as for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Now here John is teaching you. He's saying, now these are all the things prior to verse 24 that are going on, but as for you... This is what I need you to do. This is what God wants you to do. Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. And if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, that is Jesus Christ died, rose again, gave you life everlasting. If that abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And he goes on and says, this is the promise which he himself made to us. Everybody say it, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. See, even back then, they were trying to deceive the the church. They were trying to deceive God's people. But he said, as for you, the anointing which you have received, he already said you had anointing. The anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need really for anyone to teach you because you know what's true. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you Abide in Him. That's how it ends. 
There's a scripture in the Bible that says, don't move the ancient boundary. I love that. I love that. Because what that's saying to me is, this is ancient. God's truth is ancient, and it's been passed down through time and through time and through time and through time. And we know it's true because of the very, very, very first ones that were with Jesus proved it and said, we saw him. The Romans tried to fake it like he didn't come out of the tomb, but he did because they sealed it themselves. And there were many who saw him. There were 500 on the, on the mountain when Jesus ascended. Number nine, denying God and Jesus. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 22. We've already looked at that. Denying God. Number 10, doing unrighteousness. Look at 1 John 2, 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Chapter 3 and verse 10 says, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Now this literally is showing us an evidence of people who are gods and who are the devils. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, it's not a practice of their life, is not of God nor the one who does not love his brother. So you've got to practice righteousness. Your lifestyle needs to be that of righteousness and loving your brother just as you love yourself. Well, isn't this good stuff? Another way is number 11, making no effort to purify yourself. 1 John 3, 3 says, everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as Jesus himself is pure. In other words, if you believe that he is the only way to heaven and you've accepted that as your Lord and Savior, that's what purifies you. Then he goes on, or then we go on in number 12, closing one's heart of compassion. Look at 1 John three seventeen. Whoever has the world's goods and he sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Further, he says, Lacking faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. We all know this scripture, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we don't have faith, if we don't... And listen, if a person says there is no God, there's no way there is a God, that person doesn't know God. That's pretty, that's pretty simple, pretty elementary. So we've got to have faith. Again, number 14, not having love and a knowledge of God. Look at 1 John 4, verses 7 through 10. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this love... Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the, the fulfillment of our sins. So, that is showing us that the knowledge of God and following after God is walking in the love of God, and that is what totally causes us to live in love with other people. You say, I just can't love that person. You can't on your own. 
And if you're trying to on your own, you're going to fail. And if you're failing, you're probably trying on your own. So you say, well, then, Pastor, what do I need to do? You need to get baptized again in the love of God. You need to see them the way God sees them. Last of all, being overcome by the world. 1 John 5, 4 through 5, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now i got to close. Revelation 20. What's going to happen to the devil? I'm glad you asked because I'm ready to tell you. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he should not deceive. Everybody say deceive. It's what the devil does. Should not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years are completed, and after these things he must be released for a short time. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand, and they came to life, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, here it is. And when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. The devil knows his time is short. Be sober. Be on the alert. Keep your armor on. Stay close to God. Refuse everything that's not truth. Swallow only that which is truth. Reproduce only that which is truth. You know, that's the thing about the belt of truth. Do you know where it goes around? Where does a belt go? It goes right around here. What organs are right around here? your elimination system, and your reproductive system. You need to be eliminating everything that's not truth and reproducing everything that is. Eliminate the lie, reproduce the truth. That means tell the truth all the time, even when it's not popular as when it is popular. Amen. I love you guys. Stand to your feet. We've got power over the enemy. How many of you have gotten something out of this angel series? Amen. Let's give the Lord some great praise today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you set us free. Thank you that you teach us, Lord God.
the way in which to overcome the enemy. And today, Lord, as we go our way, as we go into this world, we thank you that you have caused us, Lord, to become your royal priesthood through your blood, through what you've done on the cross for us. Now, help us, Lord Jesus, not to allow the enemy to to take it from us or to deceive us in any way, but to walk in the way that you've called us to walk. Lord Jesus, as people of God, people following after you, people that are following your commandments, loving you and loving people. And Father, as we do this, we know that you will fulfill your word through us. Use every one of these God-anointed people that are watching online and listening in person, Lord God, as we've come together today. And as they go their way, let them impact this world for your kingdom, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the people of God said amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great, great week. Overcome the enemy. We'll see you. God bless. Yeah.